welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. And while I say that, I owe you all a big apology, which um, for those of you that are binge listening to me every single week, you know that I was off to a great start in the beginning of the year doing weekly episodes. And then after January 11th, the episode I did, episode I think 38 with Don Peppers, which was great. Go back and listen to it. If you haven't, I haven't recorded an episode in two weeks and I would love to be able to say that, you know, it's all everyone else's fault but mine. No, I wouldn't love to say that, but, you know, it's always easy to give excuses. The thing is, I didn't plan ahead. I didn't really have a plan B. I spent about a week in Las Vegas at the Marketo Revenue Kickoff meeting, which I'll get back to. Uh, and then I was doing a bunch of meetings here in the Bay Area. We met with Twitter. We went to Pinterest. We met with a bunch of our clients, folks over at Zenefits, and just got really, really busy, which didn't give me time to record another episode with someone off calendar. And the two guests that I had planned had to reschedule. So, you know, this is a show about marketing technology, methods, and that type of stuff. But today, it's a good message about just being a smart person while you have goals. Don't forget that um, you got to have a plan B. Expect the unexpected. And I should have had some backup podcasts ready to go for those weeks I missed. However, I want to say one other thing. For those of you that reached out to me on LinkedIn or sent me uh, messages and say, hey, Dave, where's the podcast this week? That really touched my heart because I know that there are thousands of listeners to the program. But when someone sends me a note, and a bunch of you did, saying, hey, where's the program this week and the next week? asking me if I was abducted by aliens. It really meant a lot to me to know that you're that uh, tuned in to the program. So thank you very much. And for those of you listening for the first time or listening, uh, maybe have listened to before, love to hear from you. It's really, really great. If you have any guests that you want to suggest to the program, I'm always open to that. But I just like hearing what you value in the program. And thank you very much for doing that. The good news now, I've got uh, a lineup, great lineup. We've got Scott Vaughn on the program today, which I'll bring Scott on in just a moment. But I've got an interview coming up with Steve Lucas, who is the CEO of Marketo. Uh, he and I did a podcast about a year ago. And so he's now got a year behind him, and Steve's going to be on the program as well as uh, some other great guests. So get ready. I'm back on track, going to keep to the weekly format, and it was a good lesson for me to learn. So thank you. All right, let's dive in to today's program. I have, as I mentioned, on the program, Scott Vaughn. Scott, welcome. How are you, my friend? Dave, doing wonderful here, uh, ready and fired up for the new 2018. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's, you're welcome. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Scott and I were, I mentioned I was in Vegas. Scott was with me there at the Revenue Kickoff meeting in Las Vegas, and uh, we had this on the calendar, got a chance to talk a little bit about what we wanted to hit on. But before we get into that, I got—I never asked you this. Any relation to Vince Vaughn? Just, no, I'm not that funny nor charming uh, at all. So no, no relation. He is a really funny guy. I love Vince Vaughn. He did that recent movie where he was in prison. I haven't watched that one, but I've, I go all the way back to Swinger's and the other movies that he's done, I just, you know, I just thought the other day, I wonder if he's related in some way, because you never know. No, I appreciate his movies as well. 
Well, where he may be funny, you are brilliant. So uh, I always love chatting with you. And I, in Las Vegas, you shared some really great perspective with me. And we talked about points of view. And we'll come back to that. Uh, what'd you take away from Las Vegas, sitting there with tons of marketing technology partners and the entire Marketo sales and marketing team? Curious to get your perspective. Well, a couple of things, Dave. You know, when you're sitting in that room, and I also run our revenue kickoff, so going to someone else's is like going to someone else's Thanksgiving dinner, right? You get a different view of it. So I had a couple of takeaways. It's, you know, uh, as you said, Steve Lucas and much of his team's about a year in, and that really reflected on um, the next generation of marketing automation and getting their sea legs and getting some momentum behind them. And it's interesting to see it all come out, you know, in an internal sales kickoff like that. But I think the highlight for me was, uh, the theme of this year's Marketo conference coming up, I believe it's in May, around fearless um, as a theme for marketers. And I just, that really resonated with me, both as a CMO and marketer, but also what I see every day getting to work with hundreds of marketers, that this this is not an easy task that we, we have in B2B marketing. Um, and you do have to be fearless. And you do have to be relentless. And I just think that I, I hope they can pay off on the promise because that theme to me is is dead on. I love the theme as well. Uh, I think it's a great lesson, not only in marketing, but in business. Uh, as I mentioned, I've got you know Steve Lucas coming up on the program. Uh, he's either the next one or the one after, but we'll come back to that theme. What I like about it, you know, as our CEO at DemandGen, we had our leadership team meeting in Q4, and one of the things that we talked about was being fearless in our business, um, not having a fear of failure, because marketing has transformed and changed so much. You know, you think at human behavior, think about that for a minute, right? When you're at a company and you've been there for some time and you're doing good things or even great things, it's kind of easy to fall in the rhythm of, I'm going to keep doing the same things the same way. And it's scary for some people. It's it's fear of what if I do something different that I've not done here before and I fail. My brand, my reputation, my track record is going to be tarnished. So I'll just keep doing the same things. And I got to tell, I don't have to tell you, Scott, but you know, you know, we can't do that in business today. We are moving at such a speed of rapid change and marketing is going through such a transformation that we have to be fearless and we have to be risk takers. So I hope they crush it with that theme and really bring some uh, great recommendations to how we as marketers, which really by nature we, are, we experiment all the time with different programs, but how we can be even more fearless in our, in our roles. By the way, yeah, folks, well said. if you don't know who Scott is, I guess I should more properly introduce you because maybe I assume everybody knows you, but they don't. Scott Vaughn is the chief marketing officer at Integrate. Uh, we'll get into what Integrate does in a little bit, but what I can tell you about Scott in my experience working with him and getting to know him as a partner and a friend over the years is he really, really, really understands not only the role of marketing leadership and what it takes to win in marketing, but he understands the role and the dynamic between sales and marketing and truly an expert in content marketing. And I wonder if that comes from your background being a publisher at Leading Magazines and being the chief marketing officer at UBM. But Scott, you have given me a lot of great advice and I always want to thank you and appreciate that. In Vegas, you said, so Dave, what is your point of view? What's your primary point of view? And I didn't have an answer for you then because I want to go back and think about it. But are you ready for the answer? I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to see what's going to come out next. 
I mean, gosh, if I had a production studio, I think we'd throw a drum roll <laughs> sound in here. You know, <laughs> Justin, if you're listening to this, maybe you can find a drum roll. He, he, he's the one who makes the magic happen after we do these together. Well, here we go. My point of view, Scott, is it's my personal BHAG. I really came in touch with why I'm doing what I'm doing. And you do know that the mission of our company is making marketing heroes. That's what the company's mission is. But I had to ask myself, like, why did I start this company for real? And what does success look like? What does the journey look like when I've achieved what I'm setting out to do in this stage of my career? And that is this point of view, that I believe that marketing should be the breadwinner in the revenue family. What I, what I mean by that is, my entire career, sales has made more money. Sales leadership has made more money than marketing. And that's got to change. And the reason it's got to change is because marketing is really driving revenue these days. Marketing is driving growth. Think about uh, Alec Baldwin from, uh, you know, Always Be Closing from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. What if, what if Alec wasn't the head of sales? What if in today's day and age, he's the head of marketing? Hopefully he'd be nicer than that. But you know, where is really the, the leads coming from? Who's generating that and who's taking people 95% of the way through the sales cycle or through the buying process? It's it's marketing these days. So the role's really changed. I don't think the compensation has fully changed along with it, but I definitely know from talking to my clients, uh, the people that I'm very close with, that their income has almost doubled in the past 10 years since I started the company. So I think we're moving in the right direction. But that's my BHAG, and thank you for challenging me with that that question. What do you what do you think of that that personal BHAG? Well, I, I love it because I think the difference is the last 10 years is the the goal from marketing to shift from brand to revenue, and uh, not get away from brand, but. If you're deriving revenue and you're having that kind of impact, the compensation should be there. Um, but first things first, we've got to be able to hit that goal. So I, I think that, one, it's a great mark uh, for all marketers, but it's a great mark for our industry as well. How technology, process, data, all the modern marketing stuff we've been working on as a group can make that happen. So and I think it's thought-provoking. Uh, you know, we sometimes we talk about the CMO to CEO. We talk about CMO to CRO, but I really like the way you frame that, um, and I think it's 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 very tangible. Definitely doable. I was I was blessed to work for Microsoft very early on in my career, and Bill's vision was a computer on every desktop, and that certainly happened. Now there's a computer in everybody's hand. Uh, so you know what? I am not going to stop until marketing makes as much, if not more, than sales leadership. So there you go. Let's talk good aspiration. about some buzzwords. You and I got into a little bit of a conversation in Vegas about account base because we saw some really, we're, we're, we're under sworn NDAs with uh, our partner Marketo, but we saw some exciting stuff they're doing in the ABM space. And you and I had a conversation. You remember what you told me? You said it's time to... Yeah, I, I just believe it's, it can't be about marketing. So my, my whole note is let's drop the M um, in ABM. And it's not about marketing. Uh, I know sales has been doing pieces of this for, for many years, and marketing is diving into it. But let's make it account-based account revenue. Um, and I don't care what word we put there. I choose revenue simply because that brings a common goal to the organization, not sales and marketing and not alignment and all this goofy stuff, but it brings the organization to rally around a point. And so when we talk about it, we try to talk about account-based revenue and driving towards those common goals. 
So what does it look like to you once we drop the M? I mean, what, what happens when people drop the M and just really get an account-based centric view inside an organization? What does that look like? Well, I think you don't become limited by programs and campaigns, which often is equated with marketing. Um, I know that's an oversimplification, but it's on purpose. Uh, I, I think if you can focus on the end goal, which is revenue, it might be, uh, by the way, net new revenue. It might be customer expansion or upsell or cross-sell or whatever it might be. But if you have account-based strategies um, that drive towards that common outcome, it gets us out of the campaign and program tactics. Those are important. Don't get me wrong. Those are essential. But I think it gets us focused back on this element. It also uh, gets us, I think, away from marketing wants to get a list together. Got to get a list. And that way then we can do our marketing to target audiences or in this yes. case, target accounts. And I think that mentality, because it's dynamic, because things are changing, yep. new customers come on board, you need to add to it. Yep. I just think the revenue, again, put the word you want in there. I, I choose revenue just because it, it makes sense as an outcome-based goal might help us get over the hump and not get so enamored with the tactics that need to be done um, to, to get there. And, and that's my thinking on this. And we're in the midst of doing it uh, on our, uh, with, within Integrate uh, for our key accounts and trying to figure it all out. And we get the huge benefit, Dave, like you and the demand gen team, to sit at the front seat of the damn roller coaster and watch how companies are going through the process, what's working, what's not, hundreds. And you can learn a lot from that. And, and those that get too absorbed in the tactics too fast uh, lose sight of the bigger outcome. What I think marketers are struggling with a little bit because there's so much noise. Every year there's a new term or shiny new objects that are trying to attract the marketer's attention and maybe pivot them on their their journey to revenue production and ABM was one of those I mean if you go to Google and search you know look at the search statistics for ABM over the past couple of years it was little to you know it's extremely loud and so and then all the Martech companies hung ABM as part of what their solution offers and it, it became a lot of debate I mean I actually like the debate which is hasn't this been around forever why are we talking about this this has been here forever what we're talking about is that there's technology that is empowering and enabling for driving an account-based strategy but let me ask you a question, Scott. So to help people sort through the, the noise and, the, and get a better prescription, is spray and pray marketing still alive and well? Like, should we still be doing broad-based marketing and outreach campaigns? Or is it, you know, just account-based where everything's very targeted? I know I have a perspective. I think we share it. But what are your thoughts? That's a loaded question. Uh, no, spray and pray should never happen, whether you're doing persona-based uh, targeting and, and effort around driving revenue towards the right kind of profile, company profiles and personas, or you're doing specific account-based strategies and tactics to be able to drive that. But spray and pray is definitely out. Um, unfortunately, when marketing automation came around, uh, all we did is have a, a larger we had a larger email gun to blast. I think we've gotten better as a group. Um, so spray and pray has to go away. But the ability to use more of an account-based strategy, it depends on your, your market, your business model, and your average selling price very often. So I don't think there's a blanket statement if there's one way or the other. 
But in general, uh, moving in to have an account-based initiative and strategy as a B2B organization, uh, again, not just sales or marketing but as or customer success, but really a unified strategy is, is the way to go from my chair. And that degree, whether it's 60-40 or 70-30, um, really depends on those, those factors, the business model, et cetera. I will tell you, because we sit, um, you know, our software and solution sits at the top of the funnel and connects to the full funnel, we get to see what comes through the top. And there are many customers, uh, let me strike that, there are marketing groups that put the poker, chi- poker chips all in, mm-hmm. and it's not too long, a month or two later, you're getting a phone call like, I need help. We, our pipeline is, is dried up because account base typically takes a different orientation and often it takes time to build into. If you truly want to build engagement within an account, it has to be engagement. It can't be blasting and you get these great results. You have to build trust and confidence and you have to uh, target the buying committee and different people and personas and personalize. It's work. It's, it's, you know, technology can help, data can help, but none of those are silver bullets. Um, they're enablers to your strategy. Yeah, my I share the same perspective. I'm I'm a big fan of omnichannel marketing. Like I think there's absolutely for the right company with the right size company, the right budget to do billboard advertising, to do radio spots, to do uh, TV advertisement. You know, I don't know about the Times Square billboard, but hey, you know, like if you got something really to celebrate and you want to go nuts. There's a full-page Wall Street Journal or billboard in Times Square that would love to, you know, take your money and put an ad there. However, what I'm saying is broad-based advertising is can be very effective for reaching audiences you can't reach. However, as you're saying, to do spray and pray marketing normally associated with email, don't send emails to people you shouldn't be sending emails to. With the audience building tools today, there's really no reason for you to have emails in your database that are outside of your target market and outside the companies that you want to reach. We just don't need to bulk up our databases with just list acquisition after list acquisition and send emails out to these mass audiences hoping that we will find the marketing qualified leads within them. Uh, It fatigues your database. It hurts your sender score. It makes it difficult to do more effective marketing and reach the people that you want to reach. So, yeah, that's got to go away. The batch and blast marketing certainly it also it drive it drives up costs and the other uh, component of this that becomes very very important um, to think through in this account based world is remember when we first got marketing automation yeah. what did we do we went out and bought lists we bought data all the providers promised it was the best and the most up to date then we couldn't help ourselves I did it when I was uh, eloquent customer early in 2009 we we sprayed people we couldn't help it. So account-based comes around, and we need to get our database beefed up in those accounts. So we went out and bought lists, and we bought data. We didn't learn our lessons. They've not opted in. They've not engaged with our brand or content. And uh, so that, we started marketing to them, or SDR started smiling and dialing. It's just a bad strategy. Um, It rarely works, especially for many of the mid-market and enterprise customers in the B2B world that have a buying committee and there needs to be a more strategic approach to that. I remember when um, previous to demand gen, I was in another uh, role heading up marketing. And when I got there, we had not 
really an even an email address. We we needed we were bringing a product to market, and we didn't have any of the target market in our database that we were going to. And that competitor had about 80-85% of the market. And so, you know, here I am almost day one, and I've got a board presentation a couple weeks later, and they're like, okay, we want to hear your marketing strategy. I'm like, okay, three weeks, day one. All right, got to come up with some really clever, high-impact ideas. And my recommendation, Scott, was this, well, if the competitor has... 85% of the market, let's actually build a product for our competitor's product. And they looked at me like, did, did we just hire the wrong guy or is is he brilliant? Let's, let's see where he goes next. I go, we have this network, we have this capability, and our competitor's product can't use our network. So why don't we make a small little applet that we make available to our customer's product and it just gives them the ability to order credit through our network. And then the head started nodding. And I go, by doing so, we basically put out a Trojan horse. So we will have this small little engineering effort. We'll put out this free piece of software that actually drives revenue for us through our network. But the registration of that software application will give us the email address of everyone using our competitor's product. And we built up a database of over, I think, three, four hundred thousand. Uh, and guess what our first email campaign to that targeted audience was? Was um, important, I, w- I won't say the product's name, but important upgrade information for product A. And they just had to open that email, which is what is this upgrade information? And our upgrade message was, we're introducing a product that's better than what you have. It was was softer than that, but that was basically what the spirit was. And that was how we were off to the races. So I was very guerrilla. I've always been very guerrilla uh, marketing in my career. I've had to been working under typically, short, you know, small budgets. And, you know, we at least knew that everybody using this applet was using our competitor's uh, product. Yeah, that's, and I, I, that type of thinking of getting that strategy, especially as you get account based off the ground, I think you have, we, we have just, incredible new opportunities to think more creatively and buying data and list is, is, you know, not knocking that as a, there's some great providers out there. It's not about the providers. It's just not a smart strategy. It, no, it, it doesn't scale. Um, and it ends up costing you more than it does helping you. I, I found over time. You talked about marketing automation and I just, you know, uh, talked about batch and blast marketing, the world, and discipline of marketing has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. And we've gone from having marketing automation as that core piece of infrastructure to having thousands of, of tools. So we've been helping our clients, as you know, over the past several years, become full stack marketers, where that badge of honor, that, that marketing automation certification, great. Glad you have it. For those of you listening in, that's great that you're Marketo certified or Eloqua certified, what have you, on those marketing automation systems. But that's not enough anymore. You and I talked about that in Las Vegas as well. Um, so much has changed. You have to be a full stack marketer. For example, for those of you on this call that don't know what Integrate does, go check them out. Um, Integrate is—I call you an orchestration platform. Um, you know, but it, you know that's more of a positioning. Uh, you guys, when when people ask me what you do, Scott, I'm curious to get your explanation. I say. If you are syndicating content and pushing it out to different media providers and you're doing lead gen on other people's site, Integrate is a gateway. It's an orchestration tool that allows you to take the leads that are being generated through those third parties and flow them right into your marketing infrastructure, right into your marketing automation system. That's how I describe it. How do you tell people what what Integrate does? Yeah, I think orchestration is the right thing. Um, We've automated so many parts of the stack. 
including the core systems like marketing automation and uh, CRM. And, and that's fantastic, but the largest amount of spend is at the top of the funnel yeah. to go drive net new or to engage new contacts through multiple channels. And when you do that, it is very time consuming. Um, it's very, it's not modern. It's antiquated in many ways because one is you're working one provider at a time. You go to one event, you get one file from one event. That file then has to be sent typically through email. Um, it needs to be scrubbed and formatted, and then it gets sent to somebody, uh, typically in marketing ops, to upload it. And it's the same thing when you use uh, things like content syndication or telequal services, any of the third-party providers, which are so essential and outbound today for the account-based strategies, it's antiquated. So our software uh, sits in front of or on top of your core systems like marketing automation and CRM. And it, it does a couple of key functions. It streamlines all the connections to those data sources and the campaigns that result from them. Um, and then it serves what we call a bouncer at the door. It, it validates and verifies the data. Uh, it formats the data for your database that it's being routed to. So accurate data is extremely important. So it's marketable and actionable for your nurture tracks or your sales team. And uh, the speed is important. So from the time someone engages with your content or you see them in an event to the time it gets processed via integrate, typically into marketing automation and into the right place, then action can be taken and follow up. As we know, cold leads are not good. So many of our customers that were taking seven, eight, nine, 13 days have, you know, sub 24 hours in follow up and engagement. Um, to keep that conversation going, that becomes important. Um, but the connectedness from the top of the funnel into those systems is so important and orchestrating all those bits, so to speak, in the process um, has helped us work with companies as, you know, the large companies like Microsoft, HP, and Dell, and, and Salesforce, and others to really fast-growing companies like Zwaro and 8x8 and uh, other companies that we work with, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great to watch your guys' growth over the last several years. Talk about fearless marketing, right? This platform evolved out of pain points that your leadership team experienced and said there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, when you're running a, a field marketing event, and like you say, you, you capture those leads in the scanner, and you take those leads and eventually get them back to the office and eventually get them scrubbed and eventually get them in your marketing automation system to eventually do a follow-up campaign, that speed to lead is just crazy. And you guys have definitely simplified you know, that speed to lead from an event marketing perspective, but also all your, your clients that are doing content syndication, right? They don't have to say, hey, can you send me the file, the leads that were generated last week so we can upload them and dedupe them and do all that. So you guys have really helped, uh, using your word, I guess, again, orchestrate um, the that inbound component and build a platform for it. It's very, very cool. And another critical piece in the stack. So we've got you know, marketing departments today that are responsible for marketing automation. They've got platforms like Integrate and many other tools and have to become full stack marketing. Remember, Scott, when there was no marketing operations role, that title's still relatively wow. new. I mean, it's it's actually been fun to watch that role even evolve. Even people who got the title two or three, maybe at the most years ago, I'm the marketing operations person. As you know, they were originally just like, the marketing ops reporting and data maybe person, but now we're seeing marketing operations be the IT department within larger marketing organizations and responsible for the whole 
full stack. What what other changes are you noticing among your clients in terms of being full stack marketers' roles or technology? What a great career opportunity. So um, if you think about how IT evolved, to your point, the the person in the in, in the late nineties, early two thousands where the CIO, chief information officer in IT, had all kinds of budgets. They were putting in servers and building data centers and connecting apps and everybody was getting networked and they were the heroes and everything was so great. Um, The ones that thrived were not the IT centric person, but the person that ran IT as a business. And I use the same parallel and the opportunity for marketing ops and the CMO, frankly, is if you can run marketing as a business and use technology as an enabler, um, to fuel your strategy, fuel your strategy, make you more efficient, make you more effective. Um, that's the win, and I think marketing ops is sitting in that role. Uh, one, one, they can use their background in data and analytics because that's what it takes to get uh, the funding to take uh, to show ROI to move the business forward. Um, there really uh, are. Uh, I'm probably the most excited about that role. We're we're actually bringing one on board to integrate. We've done it by committee for a while as a younger company, as a as an upstart, so to speak. But we've matured tremendously and, and have big numbers, and we're we're adding that formal function um, into our team uh, now. So that's that's exciting. I think if I was to go back in my career and was to do things all over again, or maybe start today. I certainly would have gone down the marketing operations track and the number of clients of mine that I've, you know, provided just some peer coaching to, you know, people have come to me and said, you know, Scott, and I'm sure you've heard this. I mean, you're a chief marketing officer. That's what you do. You took on that role. People come to me all the time. They go, I want to be CMO. I go, tell me why. And if I don't hear that passion for the art of marketing, for the branding, for the overall marketing vision and strategy and they come out of marketing technology, I really try to say, why don't you go down the marketing operations role? Why don't, instead of being Captain Kirk, I've said this to many folks, why don't you just be Spock and be a great Spock? Because that's what you're great at. And for those of you listening in, do some soul searching and think to yourself, do you like the right brain or the left brain? Do you like the art of marketing or do you like the science and precision of marketing? And if you love the science and love the technology, then maybe think twice about chasing that CMO role because it's a very different set of role and responsibilities than you can imagine. And maybe it's at the peak of the org chart and that's why it's so tempting to you. But boy, if you're not wired that way, stay away from it because it's a very different role than you might uh, expect. Scott, good advice, bad advice, different perspective? Well, I do think you have to make decisions like that in your career. And I, I don't remember who said it, but I love the, there's career is not a ladder. It's a jungle gym. And, uh, I, I try to give that advice. I ran services. I was a sales and sales manager. I've been a Marcom person, a demand person, um, a business P and L owner. And I like it a lot and I like the diversity. And so if you could put all those skills together of art and science, and most importantly, being able to to lead and develop a team and people in an organization, then the CMO role may be right for you all. But there's so many great roles in marketing today to have leadership positions. And I'll just personally tell you, I, I have no desire to be a CEO. I've been doing this a long time. That's just not what fires me up every day. What fires me up is, as you said, the go-to-market, 
the, the strategy that takes place in a marketplace that's required and combining the art and science, I think we're at an unprecedented time where we have the tools and the data to do some really interesting things. And um, that's what fires me up um, to do it. And I'm lucky. I, I'm one of the CMOs who get to work from the field. I, I travel a significant number of weeks. And instead of writing points of view and creating content, you know, from a desk or my office, I get to do it, you know, right after seeing three or four great marketing teams talk and being able to put things into context. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of fun. And it's, it's a power and responsibility that I take seriously and that I really enjoy. So there's all different paths, but I'm a hundred percent with you that I would, uh, there's no, just because it's the top in the organization doesn't mean it's the best, the coolest or, or the most satisfying. Yeah. Well, you literally mean what you said, by the way, again, for folks that either know you or will get to know you someday. It's not surprising to see Scott off in the corner at the end of the day at a conference with his laptop huddled up somewhere, just cranking out content. You know, you're you're a content master and a prolific writer. And um, I really admire you for your content marketing skills. You know, I, I do this podcast which is, you know, fireside chats with people I know or people that I want to get to know, who people have share a message. There's no slides. There's nothing we write. It's just a conversation that people are listening into. But you take, um, you know, you, you crank out so much content and have become one of the leaders in content marketing. I'm curious, do you see that changing? You know, we went last couple of years, right? It's been like become a publisher. Don't don't write about your products. Don't write about your services. Create content and publish content that attracts people to your subject matter and kind of that trickles down, you know, um, maybe to their interest in your products and your services. Are you seeing changes in content marketing strategies or applying some differences to the way you're approaching or still doing it the same? Uh, I definitely see changes and thank you for the feedback. It, it's how I'm wired and was built. And I do think, as you said earlier, it's from working for some great people in the media world, some incredible editors in chief that if you didn't have your headline and your cover and your point of view down, um, and data and research, depending on what type of writing you were doing, you know, you weren't worthy. So if I wanted to be an executive or get a seat at that table, I better get my contact, content act together. So there's a couple things here, David, I think about. And by the way, I, I thank you for the feedback again. A lot of it is the Integrate team thinks this way as well. I've got a group of people in, in uh, Trinity Burton and David Crane, who leads our content effort, and Kate Athmer, among many others, who, who help our machine going. While we all write our own stuff, we need to edit and put a BS meter against each other and try to do what we do. Um, but the whole content movement is driven by a couple of things. If you think about what you said, Dave, that there was a generation that grew up on marketing automation, and with that marketing automation came the drive to inbound. And that drive to inbound created some habits where you put content out there, and as much content as you can crank, and you make it searchable, and you drive people to your website. That, by its very nature, is inbound. We spent half of this podcast talking about uh, account-based strategies, which tend to be a lot more outbound, proactive, engagement, personalization. So I do think content has to change with that. Um, and we have to undo some habits that were developed on the promise that we are all going to be revenue marketers because we could do inbound marketing. Yes. We have to find the right mix. 
And to do that, I think content formats have to change a bit. There's so many uh, marketing teams that have become content factories. I'm using air quotes here yeah. uh, that they're cranking out a bunch of content. They're throwing it out there and that's good. But remember now it's a law of diminishing returns, both for that marketing team, but for the universe, because everybody's doing the same thing. So you have to rethink and be a little bit anti, go against the trend a little bit. And one of the things we're thinking about a lot uh, with the saturation of content that's out there is we're focused on doing more long form content, uh, more thought provoking, um, research based, um, deep tools and workbooks. Um, it's a little anti uh, the trend because a lot of people say, make it easy to read, do checklists, seven things to do this, eight things to do that. We do that sometimes uh, on our, our blog and other pieces to, to give it digestible content. But as a general rule, we were trying to um, continue to add more long-form content. And then we can snack size it if we need to. Um, but we're finding that is a lot more useful, credible in building engagement and trust with our, our community and our audiences and customer sets that we work with. Good advice. I love long content. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's something that I really want to dive into, I want to dive into it. It's easier to start there. Who was it? Mark Twain, you would know, cause you're, 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 you're an expert in the field, but I was it like, if I would write a shorter letter, if I had more time, it's much easier to write yeah. long form content. And then, as you said, you can, dice it up and use it in all different formats, even down to social, down to that 140 characters or so. Scott, um, before we wrap up, there was something that I just wanted to come back to in the whole account-based thing. You know, we have been consulting now with our clients for a couple years, I would say two years, really honing in our account-based marketing, uh, or I should say AB, and just put a blank there, right? Um, our account, <laughs> well done. Our account-based consulting efforts and system implementations. Do you know what the? I'm going to say greatest challenge. Do you know one of the most difficult challenges that sales and marketing teams have when they embark on that AB journey? You want to guess what that 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 task is that they really seem to struggle with? I don't know if it's where to start or what's the right account. That's it. That's it. Would be my guess. That is it. It's not a technology challenge. It's not even a sales and marketing alignment yeah. challenge. They really struggle no. with the targets. Like, who do we go after? And so we've been helping them with, you know, everything from some of the greatest greatest audience building tools and bringing a science to target list to just having and facilitating good conversations around what makes a good target account and taking some educated guesswork and helping them build those lists. But boy, they really struggle with it because marketing's really never had ownership of it before. It's typically happened at the sales rep level, but when you get sales and marketing leadership together and, and think about that process, boy, there's some strong opinions, uh, but glad to moderate and, and help do that. But, you know, it's, it's funny. It's not a technology challenge. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an agreement on who the right target accounts is and, and operationalizing that. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to let you get back to it. And I know that conference season is coming up, so I'm not only going to see you face-to-face -face, uh, at these events, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to see you in the corner cranking out some content and uh, keeping everybody updated on what's happening out there. Again, for those of you listening in to Demand Gen Radio, thank you for tuning in so regularly. want to share some good news with you because I know a lot of you listen to Demand Gen Radio 
on your commutes that we have been added to iHeartRadio and I believe Spotify. So somehow we're getting really fortunate that our little old podcast is growing up and getting picked up and syndicated on other different formats. So if you've got a mobile phone, I've always told you you can add Demand Gen Radio into the podcast apps. But hey, now if you've got iHeartRadio, you can search for Demand Gen on iHeartRadio and listen to it there. And I believe on Spotify, but if not, it's it's coming any day. And we'll keep uh, submitting our content to these providers and see if we can get on some more networks. So some good news for you there. And if you are going to be at the trade shows coming up, I'm going to be at the B2B Marketing Exchange. So I look forward to seeing there in Arizona. I'm going to be at all the major marketing automation conferences this year and some of the other great events. So looking forward to seeing you out there. Make sure you come by and say hi. And if you've never met Scott and you see him or uh, someone introduces you, well, you can say, hey, listen to you on Demand Gen Radio. Scott, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it very, very much. Thanks for the opportunity. I always enjoy the conversation, Dave. See you at the exchange. All right. My best to you and the team. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Demand Gen Radio. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.